Hello, and welcome back to Talking Tamlet. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend, Kabruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masacha Babakama, Dab Kovchet, page 108. So we're sort of entering, I think we're sort of starting to wrap up Masacha Babakama. And what we're starting to see, particularly, I think, on yesterday's daf and today's daf, is sort of a series of specific cases, right? Like they'll sort of present a scenario, the Amorayim, and then they're kind of want to sort of tease out you know, how do we understand that particular scenario? And on yesterday's staff, at the bottom of the DAP going on to today's DAP, there's a whole discussion about the idea, can a person, once they take an oath, or even if they take two oaths, could they be, uh, could they incur the penalty of KFL, right, of having to pay twice for something, and also homish, right, the, the one-fifth charge that you can also have. And the conclusion of the Gemara is essentially that you can never have both of those things at the same time. You can't pay Kefel and Chomesh at the same time. So once they have that, the they have a few questions around that. So once we have this understanding that you can't have Kefel and the Chomesh at the same time, the Gemara has, uh, I'm going to read here, you know, two uh, sort of questions that they have over this. And the first question is as follows, by Ravina. So Ravina wants to know uh, the following. Chomesh Ekfela betray Gavri. Let's say you have a case where uh, there's a homesh and a kefel payment for the same sum of money, and it's incurred by two people. My, what's the law? So the Gemara wants to know, hey, Chidani, what is the case here? So the case is, is that somebody gives his ox to two people to watch. They're like shomer chinams. They're unpaid. And they claim that it was stolen when actually... They both stole it, right? So Ruben lends his ox, sorry, doesn't lend. He gives his ox to Shimon and Levi to watch it. Shimon and Levi steal the ox together. But what happens? One of them swears, right? Took a, took a shvua, swears falsely. And then later he goes ahead and admits his guilt, right? He says, I actually was the one who stole the ox. Whereas the other one swore falsely and then witnesses came and they said he was guilty. He actually stole it. So the first one has to pay homage. The second one has to pay kefil, right? That was what we basically uh, learned about, right? That if you took a false oath uh, and, um, and then you admitted it, even though you stole it, normally if you steal it, you would have to pay kefil, right? If you're found out by witnesses. But if you admit to it, you pay back the principal and you pay homage. Whereas the second one is found out by witnesses, and that's why he has to pay Kefel. So the question becomes my, what's the law? Right? We said when it comes to one person, right, the Torah major, and this was the previous discussion right before Ravina's question, that a person doesn't pay Chomish and Kefel over the same principle, right? Over the same stolen object. But if there's two people, right, could it be that one pays the kefel and one pays the chomesh? Odilma, or perhaps, um, the issue, it's not about being one person, but it's one sum of money. And that's what the Torah was particular about when the, we said that there was a one-fifth and a kefel that was incurred, it shouldn't be paid. In other words, over one principle, over one stolen object, you can't have a homish and a kefel, or is it that we just say it's a two, you know, one person can't pay that. 
Bahakanami. So here too, even though we have that one fifth and the kefil is incurred by two different people, still it is over one principle. It's over one sum of money. So what's the answer? Teku. And they actually answer it with a teku. And it's interesting to me that they say it's a teku. They don't bring any Tanaitic proofs. They, they don't bring anything here, right? They don't bring a quote from another Amora. Ravina really basically asks a question that sort of like stumps everybody. So I thought this was interesting. We see even tekus before, but here we have a teku with like no proof even being brought from one side or the other where they try to refute it. It's almost like they have no previous statements to even bring at all, which I found to be very interesting. Okay, then they have another question by Rapapa. Rapapa comes. Let's say you have two one-fifth charges for the same money. Or two KPL payments. For one person. So my, what's the law? So of course the Gemara is going to want to know. Hey, what's the case? So it's a case where you have a Shomer Chinam, an unpaid custodian. He claims that the objects that he was watching got lost. Swears, right? Even though it didn't really get lost, he stole it. And then he admits that he was guilty, that he took a false oath. Later on, he claims that it actually was lost, and he swears, and then again, he admits that he was guilty, okay? So basically, he sort of should have two homishes that he pays because he took the shvua twice, right? Two times, what did he do? He watched this object. And both times he claimed it was stolen. And then he admitted, no, it actually wasn't. It was, sorry, he claimed it was lost. And then he says, no, it actually wasn't. I stole it. But, you know, it's sort of like, you know, so that's one case. Or, right, it's where he claims that it was stolen. He swears that it was stolen. And then witnesses come and say, he's actually the one who stole it. And again, he claims that the object was stolen, swears to it, and then witnesses come and say that he stole it. So that seems to be that he incurs two KFIL pen- penalties, right? Um, and and so the question becomes, my, what's the law here, right? Would he have to pay? Uh, would he have to pay? Now, the thing that I don't understand there is, if somebody did it the first time, why would you have them watch the article again, right? But that's that's something I didn't quite understand about this case. Okay. So, So, do we say that the Torah wanted to say that when two different monetary assessments happen, meaning a Chomish and a Kefil, right? They're two totally different uh, assessments. The Chomish is if you lied, right? But then later on, you admit it. The kefils is you actually stole and witnesses prove that you that you stole, right? That's what shouldn't be paid over one principle. But here, there's sort of one type of assessment. In both cases, right, it's chomesh, or in both case, or it's kefil, or dilma, or do we say, that the Torah wanted to say that two, two, any two monetary assessments, any sort shouldn't be paid over one principle of money. So in other words, if it's the same object and we don't care if it's two different, it's more that you can't have two monetary penalties. Two KFELs are also not a pay. So now 
unlike our previous case, the Gemara is actually going to try to bring a proof for it. Right? Toshma come and learn. The Amar Rabba, Rabba says, so they bring an Amoraic statement. The Torah says that its fifth shall be added to it. So this is the Pasuk and Vayikra, chapter 5, verse 24. So since it says, which is fifths, it's plural, the Torah basically says you could have many fifths with one principle. So we learn from this that when it comes to the payment of Chomesh and Kefel, it meant to just say two types of payment over the same principle, but not that you couldn't have the same type actually twice. So I thought specific these, you know, uh, different case scenarios are getting. The first case, we have a Ravina, we totally end on a Teku. The second one, they're actually able to resolve. And we're going to see that essentially you know, the DAP is a lot of these different types of scenarios. I think that we've seen really a lot of very fine tuning of these different scenarios. Um, I just wanted to respond to your question that you asked, you know, why would you, why would anybody ask somebody again after they've already kind of proven themselves ill fit for this kind of job? And I think, you know, unfortunately, or maybe this is us being optimists in general, right? Like we do this. It's one thing if somebody is like for hire, then you wouldn't use that service again, let's say. But what if it's your friend or your relative, right? Like it's not so, I don't think it's so unlikely that somebody would, you know, trust them again the next time, even though they kind of were not great at it the first time or messed the person over even, because that's how we are. Like, that's what we do. We say, all right, this time it's it's a different thing that you're watching. It's different circumstances. You were distracted that day. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like we make a lot of allowances and, and that it makes sense to me that you could end up in the same situation with the same people yet again. I, I, I hear it, but it's still odd. Okay, let's uh, we'll go on to, to the case that you wanted to read here. Okay, so the case I want to read is a little bit different. We're at the very end of the, before the Mishnah on Amabet. Um, it says Itamar a little bit. I mean, it's a little further up, but it's the last real case there. Itamar We have a case where you have an animal that's given as a deposit, stolen, right, while under the guardian or the the showmare's um, auspices, and it's stolen under circumstances that are beyond that person's control. Then the issue is that the thief is recognized. Now what? Ratsa Oseimodin, Ratsa Nishba. So Abai says if he's a Shomerchinam and if he wants to, right, he can go to court. He can take the court, the thief to court. And then, right, the Shomer has to pay the owner, but then the owner but then the Shomer himself will get reimbursed by the thief. Right. Or alternatively, if he wants to, he could take an oath that he was not responsible. And then the the the, the transaction can be between the owner and the thief, right? That the Shomer can kind of step out of the middle. Of things. If he's a, a paid, if he's worked for hire, right? He's a paid guardian, then that's a court case. And he can't just swear to get out of it. Rav Amar, meaning now in contrast to Nishba. Rav doesn't like the idea that the Shomer Chinam, the one who's unpaid, can get out of the the circumstance, right, by swearing that he wasn't responsible. And he says he doesn't have that option to take that oath. That's the 
that's the like the technical dis disagreement here between Rav and Abaye. The question is, of course, why? Lema fligid adarav huna bar avin. So the Gemara suggests that Rav Rava disagrees with what Rav Huna bar avin said, namely the shalach Rav Huna bar avin dignavaba ones vukaganav im shomechinam hu ratsa ose imotin ratsa nishva. Meaning the the Rav Huna bar avin case is exactly what Abaye said that he could do either or court case or swear to get out of it. Um, and so then, and then again, right, if he's paid, if he's a guardian for hire, then he has to go to court with the thief, and he does not have that option to take the oath. So the Gemara says, Rava could have said, Maybe we're dealing with a case here, or with the, the supposition is that we're dealing with a case here that happened um, where the where the shomer took that oath before hukar haganav before the thief was recognized. So then, meaning if the thief is not recognized, and you can't you can't find the thief, right, to be able to say, here we're going to deal with this, you know, between ourselves type of thing. Excuse me. But Rav Hunabar Avin says if he wants to, he could he could either go to court with the thief. Or he could take the oath that he's not responsible. Meaning, that suggests that you know that he hasn't taken the oath, and that it's not a matter. It's not. A, it's not the time frame of waiting for the thief to be recognized, or or the, that he hasn't yet been. So what Rav Hunabar Avin is really saying then is that if he took an oath, if the if the shomer took an oath before the thief was recognized, right? If he's a Shomer Chinam, he can keep that oath, right? He doesn't have to pay the owner. The deal, the transaction situation then goes to the owner with the thief. Or alternatively, he could then enter into the same court case with the thief, you know, kind of relinquish the oath, so to speak, um, which I think is kind of a radical statement, right? Once he's taken an oath, except for that, it also speaks to this idea that it really is up to him once he has a choice, meaning once the once the thief has been recognized. Rabbi Zuti by la hachi. So Rabbi Zuti suggests a different way of looking at the whole dilemma. What happens if the animal that was given as a deposit is stolen in circumstances beyond the control of the shomer of the guardian, and then the thief returns the animal? From to the to that home to the home of the shomer, and now it's you know under the shomer's care, under the guardian's care, and it dies. The animal dies because of negligence on the part of the shomer. Mahu, what's the case under those circumstances? So the gemara says, do we say that because ones do we say that because it was stolen, then that guardianship is kind of canceled, it's null and void, and, and he's no longer responsible for the animal? Or do we say that because it came back to him under his auspices, that the guardianship, whether you say that it was renewed or you say that it was always in place as long as the animal is there to be watched, um, you know, is he then going to be liable for the negligence, which is a whole, you know, is he on the hook for it or not, depending on whether the thief returned the animal? Um, 
And this ends, and it's interesting to me that it ends as the conclusion right before the Mishnah, Teku. You know, we don't have an answer to the case of what would happen if, again, if the thief steals the animal and returns the animal, does that interrupt the guardianship or does it, or does it not, right? Is he still going to be responsible for the animal? So under, like, under these circumstances, I feel like, the dynamic between the shomer, between the guardian, and the original owner and the thief becomes a real and significant triangle that needs to be adjudicated kind of any time there might be different parameters. And sometimes we have clear-cut answers or a clear-cut machloket, let's say, between Rav and Abaye, or we end up with a teiku because the parameters are... I, I don't know if they're so theoretical. I think this kind of thing could have happened, but then I'm guessing that in each case there would have to be literal adjudication case by case as opposed to having a, a rule of thumb that would be applied across the board. Well, I, you know, again, it comes back to like, I wouldn't want to have anybody watch anything for me. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't know. These cases are so, it's hard to believe that people would treat other people's stuff this way. Right. That's the part that I have a difficulty with. Meaning, if you're the, if even if you're Shomer Chinam, even if you're not obligated to pay back, let's say, but don't you, right? Like something happened on your watch, you know, and it's a kind of thing that maybe, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's, that's the tricky part. You know, somebody made off with a sheep. Don't you replace that sheep? But I don't know, because sheep could be expensive and maybe it's not so feasible. Just because you're willing to watch the sheep doesn't mean that you can necessarily replace it. I, I don't know. Unless you had to, because you were negligent. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the staff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 